describe the ABO blood types and their inheritance. So the inheritance is by Mendelian co-dominance of A and B antigens, complex oligosaccharides differing in terminal sugar. A and B phenotypes may be homozygous. Homozygous can be AABB or heterozygous AOBO genotypes. <coughs> the O blood group has no antigens and therefore is a universal donor. Um, as there won't be any reactivity to it, and anti-A and anti-B antibodies. So O has no antigen, but does have anti-A and anti-B antibodies. A blood groups will have anti-B antigens, or antibodies, and B blood group will have anti-A antigens, antibodies. AB therefore will have both antigens and no antibodies, so is the universal recipient. Most individuals have H antigen, brackets terminal focus coded by the H gene. A is a result of N acetylgalactosamine added onto the H antigen, whereas B is terminal galactose added. Similar antigens are common in intestinal bacteria and possibly food, so rapidly develop antibodies to those not present on their own cells. So go over again, blood group O has no antigens and is the universal donor. Blood group A has anti-B antigens, antibodies, Blood group B has anti-A antibodies. AB has both antigens and no antibodies, so therefore is the universal recipient. Why is blood group O used as a universal donor? Blood group O is used as a universal donor because it's got no antigens, um, just anti-A and anti-B antibodies. How does the RISA system differ? So the RISA system includes RISA C, D, E, but D is the most clinically important. So RISA is only present on red cells, so need exposure to RISA positive blood to develop antibodies. This occurs during transfusion or during mixing at childbirth or bleeding during pregnancy. So 50% of people will be sensitised by transfusion if they're recess negative and they're given recess positive blood. Antibodies take time to develop, however, so during the pregnancy, the current pregnancy, it won't be an issue, but in subsequent pregnancy, the presence of recess antibodies can affect a recess negative baby. A recess positive baby. Um, and can result in haemolytic disease of the newborn. So they actually, haemolytic disease of the newborn occurs in 17% of second rhesus positive pregnancies if not treated. Rhesus antibodies can um, cross the placenta as they are IgG proteins. ABO is IgM and they therefore don't cross the placenta.
discuss the central neural control affecting arteriolar tone. So one, there's a presence of a vasomotor center situated in the central nervous system medulla with both vasoconstrictor and vasodilatory areas. The medullary vasomotor center is influenced by peripheral baroreceptors, peripheral chemoreceptors, and higher neural centers. Noradrenergic vasoconstrictor fibers descend from the medullary vasomotor center via the spinal cord to the smooth muscle wall of the arterioles. So there's noradrenergic vasoconstrictor fibers descend from the medullary vasomotor center via spinal cord to the smooth muscle wall of the arterioles. <clears throat> Whereas peripheral baroreceptors in the carotid sinus and the aortic arch respond largely to changing blood pressure and act to inhibit the vasoconstrictory center. Peripheral chemoreceptors, chemoreceptors in the carotid bodies and the aortic bodies, respond to hypoxia and act to excite the vasoconstrictor centers. So take note that the baroreceptors are the carotid sinus and the aortic arch, whereas the peripheral chemoreceptors are the carotid bodies, carotid bodies rather than sinus, and the aortic bodies rather than the aortic arch. Describe the volume atrial stretch reflex. One atrial stretch results in reflex afferent arteriolar renal dilatation. So the volume reflex is atrial stretch results in reflex afferent arterial renal dilatation. So just to recap, what are the central neural control factors affecting arteriolar tone. So one, you've got the vasomotor center in the central nervous system in the medulla, which has vasoconstrictor and vasodilatory areas. <clears throat> the medullary vasomotor center is influenced by peripheral baroreceptors, chemoreceptors, and higher neural centers. <coughs> so noradrenergic vasoconstrictor fibers descend from the medullary vasomotor center via the spinal cord to the smooth muscle walls of the arterioles. Peripheral baroreceptors in the carotid sinus and the aortic arch respond largely to changing blood pressure and act to inhibit the vasoconstrictor center. Whereas peripheral chemoreceptors in the carotid bodies and the aortic bodies respond to hypoxia and act to excite the vasoconstrictor center. Discuss the local factors that affect arteriolar tone. One, arteriolar tone changes to regulate local blood flow across a range of blood pressures. Two theories by which this occurs. One, myogenic, or two, metabolic. So the myogenic theory is based on the, the theory that distension of the vessel with increasing pressure then stretches the vascular smooth muscle, which subsequently leads to contraction of the muscle. The metabolic theory is that vasodilator metabolites accumulate in the tissues when blood flow falls, leading to relaxation of the vascular smooth muscle. 
The vasodilators include local hypoxia and acidosis, CO2 buildup, heat, potassium, lactate, histamine, and adenosine. Serotonin causes localised vasoconstriction rather than dilatation after vessel injury. Prostacyclin causes vasodilation and thromboxane can cause vasoconstriction after a local vessel injury. Endothelium-derived relaxing factor, i.e. nitric oxide, many vasodilators act via activating endothelium-derived relaxing factor. Endothelin, on the other hand, is a vasoconstrictor. Discuss the hormones that influence arteriolar tone. So one, adrenaline is released from the adrenal medulla in response to sympathetic stimulation. It acts via the alpha-1 receptors to constrict arterioles in most areas. It also acts via beta-2 receptors to vasodilate muscle and liver blood vessels. Noradrenaline, although largely a neurotransmitter, is released from the adrenal medulla in response to sympathetic stimulation. It acts via alpha-1 receptors to constrict arterioles, but doesn't have the beta-2 receptor activation that adrenaline does. 3. Angiotensin 2 is a generalised arteriolar constrictor. It's formed from angiotensin, angiotensin 1 via the enzyme ACE in the lung. 4. Vasopressin or ADH is a potent arteriolar constrictor. constrictor. It is released from the posterior pituitary. 5. Bradykinin is a tissue hormone that causes arteriolar dilatation. 6. Histamine is produced by basophils and mast cells and also causes arteriolar dilatation. Regulation of tissue blood flow, i.e. what are the main features of autoregulation. So autoregulation is the capacity of tissues to regulate their own blood flow, which remains relatively constant despite moderate changes in fusion pressure. This is achieved by altering vascular resistance. Basically, it's the ability of tissues to regulate the blood flow over um, a range of blood pressures through altering vascular resistance. So the proposed mechanisms involved are one, myogenic, so there's an intrinsic contractile response of smooth muscle stretch. So as the pressure rises, vascular smooth muscle surrounding the vessels, vessels will contract to maintain wall tension. Remembering that there are places law tension equals pressure times radius. Um, meta uh, number two, metabolic factors. So production of vasodilator metabolites by active tissues results in vessel vasodilation and increased blood flow, such as nitrous oxide. Um, three endothelial products, vasoconstrictors, e.g., endothelin and thromboxane A2 and vasodilators, nitric oxide and prostacycline. Four, circulating neuro, neurohormonal substances. So you've got your vasoconstrictors, which are 
adrenaline, noradrenaline, vasopressor IVH, and angiotensin syndrome versus the vasodilators, which are the kinins, i.e. bradykinin, VIP, and AMP. And the fifth mechanism is via neural control. So you have your sympathetic alpha adrenaline adrenergic receptors causing vasoconstriction, but beta adrenergic receptors causing vasodilation, and parasympathetic fibers, which are going to activate muscarinic receptors to cause vasodilation. What are some local factors that lead to vasodilation? Hypoxia, hypercarbia, hypothermia, hyperkalemia, adenosine production, acidosis, lactate, prostaglandins, and histamine. So that's hypoxia, hypercarbia, hypothermia, hyperkalemia, adenosine, acidosis, lactate, prostaglandins, and histamine. How does auto-regulation apply to cerebral blood flow? So cerebral blood flow remains constant over an arterial pressure range of approximately 65 to 145 systolic pressure. Sympathetic stimulation will prolong the plateau phase. What are the proposed mechanisms involved in auto-regulation? So again, it's going to be myogenic in terms of conductile responses to cerebral substrate through metabolic production of vasodilator metabolite by active tissue um, and the accumulation is associated with decreased flow which then leads to vasodilation. Examples, um, decreased oxygen, i.e. hypoxia, acidosis, hyperkalemia, lactate, carbon dioxide accumulation in the brain or the skin, local temperature, um, i.e and adenosine, which is a vasodilator in the heart, but not in the muscles. Describe how blood flow is regulated at the level of the endothelium. An example of vasodilators is prostacyclines, nitrous oxide, and kinins. An example of vasoconstrictors is endothelin, thromboxane and serotonin. What other general effects do the do endothelins have on the cardiovascular system? So endothelins have positive ionotropic and chronotropic effects on the heart. They also cause a rise in AMP, renin and aldosterone. And finally, a decreased glomerular filtration rate and decreased renal blood flow. What are baroreceptors? Baroreceptors are stretch receptors in the adventitial layer of the vessels. The stretch receptors in the adventitial layer of vessels. Where are they located? So the baroreceptors are in the aortic arch in the carotid sinus, walls of the right and left atria, at the SVC and IVC entrances, and pulmonary circulation. So the baroreceptors are in the aortic arch, carotid sinus, walls of the right and left atria, and the pulmonary circulation. 
what is the mechanism of action in hypotension? In response to hypotension, the arterial baroreceptors are less stimulated because they are less stretched. The reduced baroreceptor discharge travels via the glossopharyngeal and vagus nerves to the medulla, resulting in an overall increase in sympathetic discharge to increase the heart rate and stimulate vasoconstriction and acts to reduce the activity of the vagal drive. So, reduced baroreceptor discharge travels through the glossopharyngeal and vagus nerves to the medulla, resulting in an increase in sympathetic discharge and reduced vagal tone during hypotension. So again, what about receptors? We have related locators, chronic, aortic, cardiopulmonary, um, thus retroceptors in the adventitial layer of the vessels. So then the carotid sinus and aortic arch and the right left atria um, and in the pulmonary veins and the pulmonary circulation. Um, What is the action in the setting of acute blood loss? So decreased blood volume and decreased venous return results in reduced stimulation of the arterial baroreceptors and increased sympathetic output. This will result in reflex tachycardia and vasoconstriction. So it's reflex tachycardia and vasoconstriction being the main point. So when the stretch receptors are activated, they inhibit tonic sympathetic drive and increase vagal drive, which results in vasodilation, venodilation, hypotension, bradycardia, and decreased carbon and decreased cardiac output. They allow rapid adjustments in blood pressure in response to abrupt changes in posterior blood volume and cardiac output or peripheral resistance. What is the effect of vessel wall distension on a baroreceptor? So stretch of the vessel walls leads to increased baroreceptor discharge transmitted by afferents in the glossopharyngeal and vagus nerves to the medulla, to the vasomotor center. This results in release of inhibitory GABA which reduces the sympathetic outflow and excitatory effects on vagal motor neurons. The net effect is inhibition of tonic discharge of vasoconstructor nerves and excitation of cardiac vagal innervation results in vasodilation with a decrease in blood pressure, heart rate and cardiac output. What is the effect of chronic hypertension on the activity of the arterial vasoreceptors? Baroreceptors, they reset to maintain a normal vasoactivity at the elevated blood pressure. This is reversible. What is the set point? The neutral map for the vasomotor center sits around 100 millimeters neutral. 
describe the factors that control the blood flow to the myocardium. So one, there's local factors controlling the radius of the blood vessels. So hypoxia will instigate vasodilation, which may be mediated by adenosine. Hypoxia accounts for the main factor contributing to the control of blood flow. Nitrous oxide also acts as a vasodilator, along with local metabolites such as hyperkalemia, adenosine, CO2 production, lactate and prostaglandin. So there's local factors, hypoxia, nitrous oxide, hyperkalemia, adenosine, CO2, lactate, PG. And then there's neurogenic factors controlling the radius of the blood vessels. So there's parasympathetic nerves or sympathetic nerves. So with the sympathetic, you've got the alpha vasoconstrictor and beta vasodilation, um, as well as circulating catecholamines. And then finally, there's pressure differences. So flow is dependent on the great entering arteries in the veins or external compression of the muscles. So during systole, the ventricular muscle pressure limits the flow, especially into the subendocardium of the left ventricle and can worsen ischemia to the subendocardium. Lastly, factors affecting the control of blood flow. There is the viscosity of the blood. How is blood pressure maintained in a setting of acute blood loss? So one, within seconds to minutes, there'll be activation of baroreceptors. So because there's decreased stretch, um, there will be inhibition of the tonic discharge of the vagal tone. And there'll be activation of the chemoreceptors which stimulation will lead to peripheral vasoconstriction and rising blood pressure. Um, and in the central nervous system, you have activation of ischemic receptors. So baroreceptors, chemoreceptors, and central nervous system ischemic receptors will all happen within seconds to minutes. Part two, in the minutes to hours section, you have activation of the renin angiotensin system. You have blood volume changes, and you have fluids shift through the capillary, through the capillaries. And then finally, at stage three, which is going to be longer than hours, hours to days, you'll have renal complication via aldosterone, blood volume changes, increased salt intake. Part two, what other factors influence the vasomotor center? So one, you can have direct stimulation from carbon dioxide or hypoxia, or you can have excitatory inputs from the cortex via the hypothalamus, from pain pathways and muscles, um, from chemoreceptors in the carotid and aorta, or you can have inhibitory inputs from the cortex via the hypothalamus, um, from the lung or from the baroreceptors. diagrammatic changes in pressure and velocity as blood flows through the systemic circulation. Um, so the pressure falls very slightly in large and medium-sized arteries because resistance to flow is small 
um, but the pressure falls rapidly in small arteries and arterioles, which are the main sites, which are main sites of peripheral resistance against against which the heart pumps. So the magnitude of pressure drop along arterioles varies depending on whether constricted or dilated. There'll be a small pressure change in large and medium sized arteries, a rapid fall in pressure across the small arteries and arterioles, and the mean pressure at the end of the arterioles is 30 to 38 millimetres of mercury, um, and the pulse pressure is down to 5 millimetres of mercury at the end of the arterioles. The total cross-sectional area of vessels is maximum in the capillaries and venules, about 10 times that of the arterioles. And note that the relative resistance is highest in the arterioles. Describe the factors affecting cardiac output. So cardiac output is equal to stroke volume times heart rate. Stroke volume is related to contractility, preload and afterload. Heart rate, so stroke volume is related to contractility, preload and afterload. Heart rate is controlled by intrinsic rate, autonomic, exogenous factors, heat and thyroid stimulation. So again, decreased venous return, stimulation of baroreceptors, increased catecholamine release, decreased renal blood flow activation of the renal angiotensin system, um, resulting in fluid shifts, hepatic synthesis of proteins, and increased red blood cell production. That's the response to moderate blood loss. So the factors affecting cardiac output are stroke volume and heart rate, and heart rate is controlled by intrinsic rate, autonomic and exogenous factors, heat and thyroid, and stroke volume is related to contractility, preload and afterload. What happens to cardiac output during exercise? So cardiac output increases, so you have an increased venous return and an increased end diastolic volume. Your myocardial contractility increases, and your stroke volume increases, you have an increased sympathetic drive and an increased heart rate. What are the local mechanisms that maintain high blood flow in exercising tissue? So, what are the local mechanisms that maintain a high blood flow during exercising muscles? So, a decrease in tissue oxygen, an increase in tissue CO2, accumulation of potassium and other vasodilated metabolites, and an increase in temperature of the muscle. What is the normal central venous pressure at rest? Um, so the central venous pressure is the pressure in the right atrium, and at rest it's normally zero, but it ranges from negative five to positive five. Describe the factors that determine the central venous pressure. So the central venous pressure is determined by the balance of the venous return, so what's going into the right atrium, versus what's coming out of the right atrium, i.e. the 
ability of the heart to pump out of the right atrium. So the factors affecting the venous return include gravity, intra-abdominal pressure, e.g. during pregnancy. Pregnancy can also compress the IVC when made flat. Um, hypo or hypervolemia, venodilatation, such as in the context of drugs or fainting, sympathetic tone causing venoconstriction and improving venous return, arteriolar dilatation in the setting of sepsis, drug use or anaphylaxis, um, and finally there can be factors um, that are resisting venous return such as in tamponade or tumour. Factors that affect the ability of the heart to pump blood out from the right atrium include myocardial contractility, hypertrophy in an athlete, cardiac failure, myocardial infarction, i.e. of the right ventricle, arrhythmias, AEF, um, and resistance to RV, such as pulmonary valve stenosis, PE, LVH, severe LVH impacting on the RV, um, hypoxia, or attention pneumothorax. So again, factors affecting venous return, gravity, intra-abdominal pressure, venodilation, fluid status, sympathetic parasympathetic tone, arteriolar dilatation in, in the setting of infection drugs, anaphylaxis, um, and resistance to venous return such as tamponade or tumour. And then factors affecting the RV function include hypertrophy, MI, heart failure, arrhythmias, pulmonary valve stenosis, PE, LVH, hypoxia, and attention pneumothorax. ER, <coughs> ER exam, body compartments, body fluid compartments. So total body fluid in an adult is 60% of the total body weight. The extracellular volume, the extracellular fluid, accounts for one third. And that is a total of 20% of the total body weight. And of the ECF, it's broken down into the intravascular or the blood plasma which accounts for one quarter, um, and the interstitial fluid, which accounts for three quarters. The plasma accounts for 5% of total body weight. The intracellular fluid accounts for two thirds of the body fluid, um, and therefore 40% of the total body weight. So in terms of percentage of body weight, intracellular fluid is 40%, interstitial fluid is 15%, and plasma is just 5%. So recapping over that, total body fluid is 60% of body weight. That's broken down into ECF and ICF. The ICF accounts, the ECF accounts for a third of the total body fluid, um, and a quarter of the third is intravascular or blood plasma and three quarters is interstitial and then the other two thirds of the fluid is um, intracellular fluid which accounts for 40% of total body weight. So in terms of contents the extracellular fluid is high in sodium chloride so it's very salty 
whereas the intracellular fluid is high in potassium, magnesium, proteins and phosphates. So this makes sense if you think of the extracellular fluid being salty and then the intracellular fluid um, being high in potassium. Transport across cell membranes can happen via many mechanisms. So there can be passive diffusion down an electrochemical gradient. There can be active transport, e.g. the sodium-potassium ATPase, which uses ATP in order to pump sodium against its gradient and potassium against its gradient. So sodium wants to flow into the cell, but it is pumped out of the cell. Potassium wants to flow out of the cell, but it's pumped into the cell. So it exchanges three sodiums out and two potassiums in, and it has both alpha and beta subunits and spans the whole membrane. And the purpose of this is to maintain the electrochemical gradient so that you can have action potential conduction. Secondary active transport can occur when transport when substances are being transported down a gradient set up by a separate, separate active transport, e.g. glucose. Co-transport can occur, counter-transport can occur, ion channels can be present which are either voltage-gated such as calcium channel blockers or ligand-gated um, aquaporins and endocytosis or exocytosis where vacuoles are formed. So the membrane potential is the difference in electrical charge between the inside and the outside of the biological cell. With respect to the exterior, the typical values range from negative 40 millivolts to negative 60 millivolts. Um, and then if you think about action potentials, some will start at negative 90 and some will start at negative 60. Fundamentals of intracellular communication and second messengers. So the second me messenger system has been is when an extracellular ligand binds to a surface receptor, there's a morphological chemical change in the intracellular part of the receptor which will activate an enzyme. G protein will be activated, there'll be an ion channel activation or direct transcription, increasing an in intracellular second messenger structure such as cyclic AMP or calcium, and the secondary effect will be exhibited such as increased protein, increased protein production. Right. So definitions, transcellular fluid is the portion of body water contained in epithelium lined spaces. Moles is the weight in grams of a substance. The weight in grams of a 6 times 10 to the power of 23 of a substance, i.e. The, the molecular weight in grams. Osmoles is the molecular weight divided by the number of free moving particles each molecule liberates in solution. Osmoles is the molecular weight divided by the number of free moving particles each molecule liberates in solution. I.e., if a substance dissociates into two 
one mole and equals two osmoles in an ideal solution. Equivalence, one mole of an ionized substance divided by its valence or charge, that's its electrical equivalent. Osmolarity versus osmolality. Osmolality is the number of osmoles per litre of solution. So osmolarity is the number of osmoles per litre of solution, whereas osmolality is the number of osmoles per kilogram of solvent. Osmolality is the number of osmoles per kilogram of solvent. And one mole of ideal solution depresses the freezing point by 1.86. Normal plasma osmolarity is 290 mosm per litre. pH, pH is negative log hydrogen concentration. Normal human plasma pH ranges from 7.35 to 7.45, but is different in various body environments to maximise protein and enzymatic function. Buffer, a buffer is a substance that can bind or release acid in order to maintain a stable pH. EGH to CO3, phosphate and proteins. Diffusion. Diffusion is a process where a gas or substance in solution spreads into the total volume available to it by the random movement of particles. In areas of higher concentration, there are more particles moving to areas of lower concentration, equals the net flux. Time to equilibrium is proportional to the square of the diffusion distance. The magnitude of diffusion is proportional to the concentration gradient and to the cross-sectional area. So time to equilibrium is proportional to square of diffusion distance and the magnitude of the diffusion is proportional to the concentration gradient in the cross-sectional area. <coughs> Solvent drag. Solvent drag is the influence exerted by a flow of a solvent through a membrane on the simultaneous movement of a solute through the membrane. So a solvent dragging a solute through a membrane. Osmosis. Osmosis is the diffusion of solute, solvent molecules into an area of higher solute concentration. Diffusion of Osmosis. Osmosis is the diffusion of solvent molecules into an area of higher solute concentration that is impermeable to the solute, i.e. trying to make something less concentrated. Osmotic pressure is the pressure necessary to prevent solvent migration. It's proportional to the number of particles per volume in solution. It only acts when the solution comes into contact with another across a membrane permeable only to solvent. Tonicity. Osmolality of a substance related to plasma osmolality. 
chemicity equals osmolality of a substance related to plasma osmolality. What is the Doonan effect? The Doonan effect is when an iron on one side of a membrane is impermeable, it affects the movement of the permeable ions too. I.e. an impermeable anion will hinder the movement of a cation, while encourage the movement of an anion across the membrane filtration. Fick's law. Fick's law is the magnitude of the diffusing tendency from one region to another which is directly proportional to the cross-sectional area in which diffusion is taking place in the concentration gradient, or chemical gradient, which is the difference in concentration of the diffusing substance divided by the thickness of the boundary. So that's the law, the magnitude of the diffusing tendency from one region to another is directly proportional to the cross-sectional area across which the diffusion is taking place and the concentration gradient or the chemical gradient which is the difference in concentration of the diffusing substance divided by the thickness of the boundary. Osmotic pressure, a form, of osmo, a form of osmotic pressure exerted by proteins in blood vessels that will tend to pull water into the circulatory system. Describe the factors affecting cardiac output. Cardiac output equals stroke volume times heart rate. So stroke volume is related to contractility, preload and afterload. How strong, how much, how much to push against. Heart rate is controlled by intrinsic rate, autonomic, exogenous factors, heat and thyroid. What are the physiologic responses to losing a litre of blood in an adult? So acutely you're going to get decreased venous return, which will, um, via the glossopharyngeal and vagal nerves, will go to the um, vasoconstrictor centre and reduce stimulation of baroreceptors, re stimulate catecholamine release, tachycardia and vasoconstriction. In 12 to 72 hours, you'll get decreased renal blood flow, which will activate the renin-angiotensin system to initiate fluid shifts. In three to four day period, you'll get hepatic synthesis of proteins. Um, and finally, at 10 days plus, you'll get increased red cell production due to increased EPO. So initially, you'll get decreased ven venous return stimulating baroreceptors with increased sympathetic output to cause tachycardia and vasoconstriction. Then at 12 to 72 hours, you'll get decreased renal blood flow contributing to activation of the renin-angiotensin system with fluid shifts. At three to four days, you'll get hepatic synthesis of proteins. Um, and then finally, at 10 days, you'll get increased red blood cell production stimulated by EPO. So basically, in response to acute blood loss, cardiovascularly, you'll get tachycardia, vasoconstriction, and venoconstriction. Um, other physiologic compensations to acute blood loss include tapicnea, um, adrenaline, noradrenaline release from the sympathetic nervous system, vasopressin release, glucocorticoid production, renin-angiotensin system, EPO stimulation, and plasma protein synthesis. What is the coronary blood flow at rest? 
so in a normal adult the coronary blood flow at rest is 250 mils per minute which is only 5% of the cardiac output. Describe the coronary artery blood flow during the cardiac cycle. Prompt, which part of the myocardium is most vulnerable to reduced coronary artery blood flow? So there's greater flow in diastole as compared with systole um, to, the, uh, to, the, to the heart. LV subendocardium is the most vulnerable because of the highest pressures running in the LV. The right ventricular flow is continuous. What chemical factors may cause coronary vasodilation? <coughs> so adenosine, which doesn't cause vasodilation in muscles. Hypoxemia, carbon dioxide accumulation, increased acidity, hyperkalemia, lactate production, prostaglandin, um, and adenine nucleotides. What receptors govern coronary blood flow? So the coronary arterioles have alpha receptors, which once stimulated will cause vasoconstriction. Um, and there are also beta receptors, which conversely will cause vasodilation. Um, and lastly, there's cholinergic receptors, which also cause vasodilation. So the right coronary flow is consistent throughout systole and diastole due to lower RV pressures. What factors can decrease coronary artery blood flow? So one, you can have physiologic factors such as tachycardia, which will result in a shorter diastole and reduced left coronary flow in particular. Or you can have pathological causes such as atherosclerosis, Oh no, sorry, aortic stenosis, um, which requires increased left ventricular pressures required to overcome the stenosis and decrease flow. Vasospasm, coronary artery disease, yep, so atherosclerosis, heart failure, increased venous pressure and reduced coronary perfusion pressure. What chemical factors regulate coronary blood flow? So again, it's hypoxia, CO2, um, increased acidity, hyperkalemia, lactate, prostaglandins, adenine nucleotides, and adenosine. Describe the neural regulation of coronary blood flow. So alpha adrenergic receptors mediate vasoconstriction, beta adrenergic receptors mediate vasodilation, vagal nerve stimulation dilates the coronaries, Noradrenaline constricts the coronaries. Um, noradrenaline constricts the coronaries, although note that noradrenergic nerves cause increased heart rate and contractility with the resultant metabolite production and vasodilation. This is the effect with hypotension that maintains coronary flow. So there are compensatory mechanisms which counteract the vasoconstriction, essentially. So which, what are the factors which affect coronary blood flow? So there's aortic pressure changes, chemical and neural factors. So there's autoregulation, 
which can be chemical, low oxygen, increased carbon dioxide, increased pH, oh, sorry, decreased pH, hyperkalemia, lactate, prostaglandins, adenine, nucleosides or adenosine, all contributing to vasodilation, neural inputs, noradrenaline, having positive ionotropic and chronotropic effects, um, vasodilator metabolites causing coronary vasodilation, beta blocker for ionotropic and chronotropic effects, um, Beta receptors in the vagal nerve will cause vasodilation. Um, the phase of the cardiac cycle, so there's going to be more flow in diastole. Um, disease states that can reduce flow, like coronary artery disease, valve lesions, aortic stenosis, raised venous pressure, CHF, um, and the presence of chemical vasodilators such as, as, as previously, hypoxia, raised CO2 raised um, hyperkalemia, lactate, prostaglins, adenine, adenosine. What are the basic factors which determine the rate of flow through a blood vessel? So flow equals the pressure differential between the vessels divided by the resistance. The resistance is proportional to 8 times the viscosity times the length of the tube and is inversely proportional to the radius to the power of 4. So, putting that together, the flow is equal to the pressure difference times pi radius to the power of 4 over 8 times viscosity times length. Therefore, flow is inversely proportional to viscosity and length. So greater viscosity will, will, will cause less flow, whereas a greater radius will result in exponentially more flow. In addition to this, a bigger pressure differential will favour greater flow, and length, the greater the length, the less the flow. What factors cause turbulent blood flow in a blood vessel? So Reynolds number is equal to the fluid density times the diameter of the tube times the velocity of the flow divided by the viscosity. So, fa so factors which favour turbulent flow include Increased density of the fluid, increased diameter of the tube, faster flowing fluid, and the factor which goes against turbulence is the viscosity. The higher the value of the Reynolds number, the greater the probability of turbulence, which usually occurs when Reynolds number is between 2000 and 3000. What factors cause turbulence in blood flow? So there's a critical velocity, a small diameter, and reduced viscosity will all contribute.
So critical velocity, smaller diameter and reduced viscosity will contribute. Why is blood flow slower in capillaries? So velocity relates to the total cross-sectional area. Um, capillaries have a thousand times the area of the aorta, so therefore they have low velocity. What is the relationship between pressure and wall tension in blood vessels of different sizes? So pressure equals tension divided by radius. So the radius is inversely proportional to the pressure. So in smaller vessels, there will be less tension in the wall for the same distending pressure. So small vessels are very unlikely to rupture. So basically in smaller vessels, there's less tension in the wall for the same distending pressure. What is the relationship between the pressure and wall tension in the heart? Ventricular dilation means more tension is required to generate the same pressure, i.e. more work. So in LV dilatation, that is a greater workload to achieve the same pressure. Describe the factors controlling blood flow blood flow through skeletal muscle during exercise. So increased flow is mainly due to local regulation, i.e. due to chemical effects on muscle arterioles leading to vasodilation. It is a response to the reduction in oxygen in muscle tissue. Hypoxia releases vasodilatory substances, especially adenosine. Arterioles cannot maintain contraction in hypoxic conditions. Other vasodilatory chemicals include potassium, ATP, lactic acid, and carbon dioxide. Other external factors include sympathetic vasoconstrictor nerves and circulating adrenaline. What other circulatory changes occur in the body during exercise and why? So there's going to be an increased cardiac output through rate and contractility, contractility secondary to sympathetic discharge. There'll be contraction of peripheral arterioles not in skeletal muscle due to sympathetic discharge. The coronary and cerebral systems are spared, by the way. Um, and there'll be contraction of capacitance vessels i.e. veins, secondary to the sympathetic discharge, giving increased venous return, filling pressure, cardiac output. Net result is of increased blood flow and increased arterial pressure during exercise. What percentage of cardiac output goes to the kidneys? So the renal blood flow is usually 1.2 to 1.3 litres, so approximately a quarter of the cardiac output. How is renal blood flow regulated? So again, we have substances slash chemicals. Nor noradrenaline will constrict the renal vessels and it stimulates the renal vessels to, to secrete renin. 
Dopamine will cause renal vasodilatation. Angiotensin 2 causes arteriolar constriction. Likewise does nor- noradrenaline. Prostaglandins will increase the cortical flow but decrease the inner medullary flow. Acetylcholine will act to vasodilate, i.e. the opposite of noradrenaline. In the presence of high protein, there will be increased blood flow to the kidneys. The renal nerves also have a part to play, so stimulation of the nerves will increase renin secretion, increase just a glomerular sensitivity, increase sodium resorption and renal vasoconstriction. Strong stimulation of the sympathetic system will cause, through, nor- through release of neurogenin, will cause decreased blood flow. There'll be a fall. If there's a fall in blood pressure, there'll be a compensatory vasoconstriction. There's also autoregulation. So renal vascular resistance varies with pressure to keep the renal blood flow fairly constant. So it's present even in a denervated kidney, but not if there are drugs that paralyze the vascular smooth muscle, therefore proving that it is a thing. So direct contractile response, i.e. to stretch, then there will be contraction. Also in response to nitrous oxide and angiotensin 2. How can renal blood flow be measured? 1. The Fick principle, so substance taken up per unit time. 2. PAH, used to measure renal plasma flow. 3. Renal blood flow using plasma flow and hematocrit. But you just need one. So FIC principle, which is the substance taken up per unit time. Describe the differences in regional blood flow within the kidney. So the arteriovenous oxygen difference for the kidney is 14 mils. The cortical blood flow is 5 mils per gram per minute with very little oxygen consumption whereas the medullary blood flow varies from 2.5 mils per gram per minute on the outside to 0.6 mils per gram per minute on the inside which is important in the maintenance of the osmotic gradient. So basically cortical head flow has twice to 10 times the blood flow that the medulla has. Renal blood flow is 25% of the cardiac output. The glomerular capillary pressure is 40% of systemic arterial pressure. The peritubular capillary network and renal veins are low pressure systems. The renal cortex gets higher blood flow but has low oxygen extraction. The renal medulla gets less blood flow but high oxygen extraction, i.e. osmolality, and is very sensitive to hypoxia. What are the main factors that affect renal blood flow? So decreased mean arterial pressure, decreased baroreceptor firing will contribute to 
renal vasoconstriction and decrease renal blood flow. Exercise decreases renal blood flow. Increased prostaglandins will decrease renal blood flow. And... Oh. Oh, so increased prostaglandins will increase the cortical blood flow but decrease the medullary blood flow. Proteins increase renal blood flow. Dopamine and acetylcholine will cause vasodilation, therefore increasing blood flow. Um, noradrenaline will cause vasoconstriction. And it will constrict the afferent arterioles in interlobular arteries causing decreased renal blood flow postural changes so going from lying to standing will decrease renal blood flow and angiotensin 2 constricts the efferent or outgoing arterial therefore increasing the perfusion pressure of the kidney By determining how can renal blood flow be calculated by determining the clearance of PAH, its extraction ratio, and the hematocrit, alternatively via Fix principle. PAH is para amino hypurate, which is a method used in renal physiology to measure renal plasma flow, which is a measure of renal function. So PAH is completely removed from blood that passes through the kidneys because it undergoes both, PAH undergoes both glomerular filtration and tubular secretion. Therefore, the rate at which the kidneys can clear PAH from the blood reflects total renal plasma flow. So a reminder of what does what in chemical control of renal blood flow. So noradrenaline constricts interloba and afferent arterioles. Angiotensin 2 will constrict efferent and afferent arterioles, but the efferent more so, therefore increasing the pressure through the kidney. Dopamine, which is made in the kidney, will cause vasodilation. Acetylcholine also vasodilates. Prostaglandins preferentially increase the blood flow in the cortex, but decrease it in the medulla. Describe the mechanisms of the venous return to the heart. One, thoracic pump, inspiration resulting in negative pressure in the thorax and positive pressure in the abdomen. Blood flow towards the heart because of the venous valves. So inspiration resulting in negative pressure in the thorax and positive pressure in the abdomen. So then blood flows towards the heart because of the venous valves. Two, effect of the heartbeat during systole AV valves are pulled downwards increasing the capacity of the atria three muscle pump so contraction of the muscles around the veins and the limbs during activity propels the blood back towards the heart four differential resistance so resistance of the large veins near the heart is less than the peripheral veins so what factors might affect the central venous pressure of this patient so decrease central venous pressure can occur in the context of fluid loss or blood loss. Increased central venous pressure can occur in the context of excessive fluid replacement, other pre-existing conditions, e.g. congestive heart failure, positive pressure ventilation, or increased thoracic pressures. What is the value of mean central venous pressure in normal individuals? So 5 milligrams of mercury, 
or six to eight centimeters of water. What is the normal value for venous return in a healthy human adult? So it's usually 1.5 to 5.5 litres per minute. What are the major factors that influence venous return to the heart? So one, the circulating blood volume. Two, sympathetic and parasympathetic tone. Three, muscle pump, i.e. from the lower limbs. And four, right atrial pressure. So intrathoracic and intracardiac pressures and factors that influence them like phases of respiration, tamponade, PEEP. What is the relationship between the right atrial pressure and venous return? 1. Downslope, reduced driving pressure. 2. Plateau, collapse of vein walls. 3. Normal value for MSPF equals 7. 4. Normal value for mean right atrial pressure equals zero. Okay.